Hey, the start of something special right here, man. Let's go. Number one fantasy player right here. Got past the line. Shut up. Know the rules. I just want to say this to you. Right now, best in the game. I know. Welcome, everyone, to Pod After Touchdown. I am your host, Andrew Mackins, joined by my co-host, Sam Hoppin. We are in championship week. How are you holding up, Sam? I am doing fantastic. I am going to be in a championship in one of my four leagues this year, so I can't complain too much. Uh, how are you doing? How are you feeling with, with all your teams? Surprisingly well. <laughs> I am in two of... I should be, barring any... like No, both of them have 100%. My bad. Uh, two of eight leagues... Uh, so, uh, so both similar of us with conversion a 25% percentage. hit rate this <laughs> yeah. year. I'll take uh, it. So that that feels really great. Got some some potential winnings to be won next week. Hopefully you all do as well. Uh, we're gonna use the kickoff question as normal, or do the kickoff question as normal. Jump into DiGiorno players of the week and do those key takeaways. What it means for championship week and positional previews. Help any of you in some tough spots. So oh, yeah. similar format to the last couple weeks. Gonna help you bring home that W in week 16 because. Nobody should be playing in week 17. <laughs> Very Isn't true. that right? Very true. Unless you're doing some type of daily fantasy. Ah, uh, yes. Because yes. that is it, a great ex- exception. I think the one thing that goes under the radar with week 17 that's kind of crazy is just every game is played at either noon or 3 o'clock on Sunday. So Are there it's no like, Sunday night football games? No, there's no... At least not this year, unless something gets flexed. There's no Sunday night football game in Week 17 this year. Uh, that was just for me Googling the schedule <laughs> earlier. But I know Thursday night football is over. We've got the the uh, Saturday triple header this week. Oh, yeah. So be aware that you should definitely be setting your lineup before then. Yes. Um, and then I did, when I checked Week 17 schedule, it was like three... Three o'clock games and three or thirteen and twelve o'clock games. Oh my god! I'm looking at it now. Like too. that's this, gonna be the best time to have red zone ever. Like ugh, the schedule makers are so bad. Like put two of those games at noon at the three o'clock side. I mean, I, I fuck think, the octo box. We need a dodecahedra box to have twelve <laughs> games on there yeah, at once. I mean, part of it might be too. Like they don't want teams resting starters if they know that they're already in the playoffs or not or stuff like that based like on not good prime time. how other games end up going i mean if you have i'm trying to think of an example off off the top of my head but let's say the patriots already know that the bills lost in week 17 and they play later then the patriots don't really have anything to play for at that point so they can just rest all their starters so i think you know, want to give the fans who are actually going to the games and want, want to see these yeah. players play uh, something to play for. Well, you know so, how you can make Week 17 relevant is you played one or two more games a season. So then Week ah, 17, instantly relevant. Yes. Week 18, don't know about that as much. But uh, we digress. Let's kick off. And this game is underway. So our kickoff question for this week, we are getting, you know, to the nitty-gritty of the fantasy season. For those that aren't in the playoffs anymore, uh, hopefully you're also not in the bottom bracket or not in that final fateful matchup that 
is colloquially known as the Sacco Bowl, where the two worst teams of the season are playing each other. Uh, we're not in any of those. Um, and basically what we want to talk about here is what is your favorite Sacco punishment, whether you've been a part of it or if it's something you really want to see uh, in one of your leagues in the future. So this is an idea I actually saw this off season, and it's setting having the the loser set up a lemonade stand with a sign saying that they need to raise money to buy a fantasy football draft guide for the following year. I just think it's the perfect amount of public humiliation with not a ton of risk involved. I mean, it's fairly fairly low key. You can you can get away with it, but making the person sit outside for a couple hours and potentially some blistering heat to sell lemonade, which is something typically only eight-year-olds do nowadays, (laughs) uh, for someone our age would be quite funny to watch. Yeah, I I think that that, that's a good one. Um, Definitely funny from the social media aspect of it, too. Um, I tend to be a little more uh, masochistic when it comes to my Sacco punishments, at least what I would like to do. I've never been in a tattoo league, but... I think that those are always interesting to hear about because, like, holy shit, if you had to get a tattoo for being that bad at fantasy, that would be awful. Imagine, too, if you're in a league that does that and has done it for, let's say, 20 years. you got to imagine some people have two or three tattoos just based (laughs) on, like, a law of averages sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at least one person's going to have multiple at that point. It's the combination of pain and humiliation and the the reason I bring that up is because what I would really like to see as well is one you mentioned before to me is just having, you know, the league all go to a bar, have a fun night together. But the Sacco has to sit in a very like out of place outfit at a table all by his lonesome. He can only drink what's brought to him and uh, he can't buy anything else, no phone. It's pretty much like a three-hour, five-hour punishment just sitting there. It's got to be one of the most painful experiences possible. Oh, yeah. Painful in multiple ways, especially when you have people buying you Malort shots. Yes, exactly. We're, well. <laughs> we're a Chicago podcast, so Malort is definitely involved in, in some of our leagues, at least. And, and that would definitely be a part of this punishment. So, speaking of punishment, you might have taken some punishment with a couple players in your <laughs> lineup, so why don't we get into our DiGiorno Delivery Players of the Week. Well, I've got a wide receiver for you, Sam, that I can barely stand to look at his name because of what he did this week, and that's Julian Edelman. The Patriots were in a situation to get right against the hapless Bengals, and this guy did not do his job like Patriots are supposed to do. He gets two receptions for nine yards. How do you only get four and a half yards of reception? It's so bad I could do the math without even thinking about it or how bad that is. Awful. The worst part is he is one guy that's been consistently good all year. Like, there was no question you were going to start him against the Bengals of all teams. Now, my guy is a wide receiver as well. And we talked about how the Rams have built up trust over the past couple weeks. Big trust. And then, you know, you think you get a quarterback who throws the ball 51 times. It's nearly 300 (laughs) yards passing, two touchdowns. 
And what does Robert Woods do? He catches four balls for 17 yards. So an even worse <laughs> yards per reception average than Julian Edelman. Oh it was God. straight trash from Robert Woods, this guy who has been fantastic. Again, nine targets, but he can't do anything. Big ol' shitter from Robert Woods. Oh my god. Uh, if a ram shits in the woods, do you hear it? Not if this week. around? <laughs> yeah, certainly not. Um, you know, I, I, I considered um, another guy, Jameis Winston, at, as my DiGiorno player because he, he put <laughs> up like 230 yards in the first quarter, so he was on pace for over 800, and he only put up 450 yards but oh no i uh i i guess we'll let's talk about that quick for our key takeaways because i don't i don't have it in here but like every time Jameis is i'm about to lose confidence in him he pulls me back in these last two weeks he's been nuts he's gonna end up with uh, i think it's been joked he's gonna have what 30 touchdowns 30 interceptions and 5,000 passing yards something or something ridiculous i like mean that. if you just keep throwing the ball in bruce arians offense good things are gonna happen so it's this crazy. Is going exactly it, how we planned it. it it's crazy it, it, he goes out and throws an interception on the first drive it's like death taxes in a james james <laughs> winston first drive pick and it, it's like Bruce Arians is like, go throw an interception so that we're allowed to throw the yeah. ball even more throughout the year. It, it's crazy. I, I, prior to the season, I wanted no part in Jameis because I wanted no part in the roller coaster of Jameis Winston, especially like on game day because you see all the crazy mistakes that he makes. And he is the quarterback five on the year, which is Ooh-wee. pretty crazy. Um, so it, it, it's... It goes to show what throwing for over 400 yards a game and several touchdowns a game does, even when you're throwing. I love it. I love it. I love picks it. Every, love it. every single week. But what, what, one of your other recaps and, and, or key takeaways was a teammate of his in mm-hmm. Ronald Jones and your trust level with him. Yeah, I, I think that we can't because. Last week, I was nervous about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I see the Lions are a bad rush defense, and I am, seems more often than not, the matchup guy uh, on the podcast. But the way that this offense has been going, it's pass first, ask questions later. So uh, Rojo is still splitting with Peyton Barber because Peyton Barber is, as we learned in a previous episode, not as old as we might think, and he's great at his fundamentals. Uh, you can't start either of those guys in this next matchup. I don't care who they play. I totally agree. I, I've been writing a running back committee report all season, and this Tampa Bay Bucks backfield has been one of the most frustrating. There were there was a several-week span in which everyone thought Ronald Jones had sort of taken over the, the starting role, and then one week after he built all that trust up, Peyton Barber comes out of nowhere and is he apparently the lead the guy trust. again. Yeah. So I I I think the the key takeaway one of the key takeaways I have is is with another running back and that's Kenyon Drake who for sure is the real deal. He had the high score on the week. Now this is obviously going into Monday night football which we're recording during so uh as the way the game's going now it, it, odds are he'll be the highest score on the week. But I digress. I, it, he's 
the main back in Arizona. Like, And you I mentioned, too, that he was getting better snap numbers than David Johnson, so don't get fooled by you know David Johnson in, um, in that Cardinals backfield. So uh, I think you made a good call there. And, and, yeah, you can't bench him after having gone off and scored 40 not. points. you gotta, you got to chase the points a little bit. And, and that's you know a, a perfect segue into the next takeaway I had, too, about A.J. Brown being a league winner. I think that A.J. Brown, you know, from what we saw a couple weeks ago, he went off and it's someone who you can confidently put in your lineup. I didn't read the exact stat, but some people are starting to make some comparisons to 2014 Odell Beckham Jr. uh, in his rookie year. Now, he hasn't been as crazy as that and he won't reach those heights, but he is coming into his own at the end of the year here. Playing the Saints next week, and they're going to have to keep up with that high-scoring offense. So I'm excited to keep rolling AJ Brown out there, and that ceiling is going to help you get uh, the the points you need in in your matchups. And if you were ever worried about the targets, this week he had a ton. I talked about last week how I was deciding between Robert Woods and AJ Brown, and that I was leaning towards Robert Woods. So I clearly made the right choice. <laughs> for that decision um but I, I totally agree he's someone who and, and the targets were the big reason why i wasn't ready to trust him because he had only gotten I, I believe seven or eight targets per game on average over the past several weeks whereas woods was getting double digit targets in, in the same right. span so i i was following the targets and, and Woods still had nine targets so it wasn't mm-hmm. a, a down game from that perspective, but he just didn't do anything with it. And the the thing I have, I think, a little bit too much concern with in, in fantasy football is players who are just having extreme efficiency. And I, for some reason, just don't buy into it at times, especially with a Titans offense that we have had trouble trusting for years and years and years but yeah this clearly is an offense that can thrive and support some efficiency specifically with AJ Brown and you saw mm-hmm. in, in one of the first plays for the Titans he got a 60 yard grab and that's that one play was better than what Robert Robert Woods yeah, did yeah. the entire game I, hey I, I'll stop Arthur talking Smith at, man Arthur I, Smith I'll stop but, talking about that I mean the game scripts probably helped a lot with that too because if, if you thought that that was going to be a back and forth shootout with the Titans having to keep up with the Texans a bit I, I think that helped the targets a lot too um Derrick Henry's been dealing with the hamstrings so I think that you know shows that Tannehill's ready to air it out more for sure uh, but I think you've got – we can jump off of that. A.J. Brown, keep rolling him out there. So you mentioned, uh, and I'll just say, the targets this week. He had 13, which was his first game with double-digit targets this year. So that goes to show – I mean, he's clearly been, like, the number one yes. wide receiver on the team for a while now. So for that's sure. where I think, like, you know, it's funny. I, as a sidebar – Calvin Ridley goes out for the Falcons and Julio Jones gets 20 targets. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Unbelievable. Like, there's some guys that can just alpha a game from a target percentage, and I think A.J. Brown is showing he can be that guy for Tennessee. But enough Titans love for me. I, even though I'm wearing my Oilers hat right now, um, they, they still lost the game, unfortunately. Let's move on to your next takeaway about another Ram uh, who did a little bit better than Robert Woods. I am finally confident in starting Todd Gurley. Now, it obviously took a while to get here. We've only got one <laughs> week left. But 
<laughs> he's had 18 fantasy points in four of his past five games. He's not having the 30-plus explosion games like he had in the past, but I think Todd Gurley this season is similar to his second-year season in that he he's just been like consistently okay. Like he hasn't been fantastic by any means, but he and he's killed you a couple weeks, but he's had some of those decent games. We obviously talked about him last week as a potential bust, and I'm going to be really curious to see where he is going to get drafted next year because because of what this year has been. It's it's tough to take a lot away from a guy who at the end of the season will end up a likely a top 12 running back, but was just sort of a top, you know, a top 12 to 15 running back all season long and wasn't ever really anything more than that for more than one or two games. So it'll be really interesting. I mean, I, I was looking at the splits. He, from weeks one through seven, he was running back 17 at 13 and a half points per game. In weeks eight through 14, he was running back 16 at 12.9 points per game. So you even look at the two halves of the season, and he's been around the same for both parts of it. But yeah, the, the Rams have just been so middle of the road on the season, and it's kind of just disappointing from what we expect going into a year. Right. It's like the Chiefs and the Rams, and these are our teams that are going to you know bring us all these high-scoring points every week. But it goes to show the NFL can flip on a dime season to season because um, now we got the Ravens as the highest-scoring offense oh, yeah. in the league right now. Um, speaking my- about a speaking of a team with high offensive expectations from <laughs> your side of the table. Let's talk a little hashtag Bears offense. Great segue. Hashtag Bears offense. There's clearly only two, you know, decent and healthy weapons on the Bears right now. And I'm pretty sure I, I brought light to this last week, uh, probably along with every other uh, fantasy football podcast. But it, now we can say with one week left, it's officially Anthony <laughs> Miller's season. He's very much someone you can put into your lineup this week. Uh, ideally, you have you know two wide receivers plus him in your flex, so he's not you know you're not riding everything on him. But he got a touchdown. He, he had more fantasy points than Allen Robinson, and they are playing the Chiefs in Week 16 Sunday Night Football. So if Mitchell's gonna have to air it out to keep up with the Chiefs, blah blah blah. Like <laughs> I don't I don't know if they're like a a terrible pass defense or anything like that but uh from what i've heard what people are saying is if taylor gabriel is out taylor gabriel (laughs) say that five times how now brown taylor gabriel if he's out then it's gonna be robinson and miller again so feel free to roll both of them out there speaking of rolling players out there i'm not rolling any play trades players (laughs) out there in week 16 you saw on sunday night what the bills did to the steelers offense and after what Julian Edelman did, I mean, James White had a decent game, decent game in, in half PPR and PPR, and he's probably the closest one I'm I'm trusting in in this matchup. But the Bills' defense is so good, and this Patriots' offense has not been explosive or exciting at all over the past several weeks. So there's there's nothing that we've seen other than the Patriots' name that. Yeah. should convince you to put these players out there. I mean, I would think Tredavious White's going to shadow 
Julian Edelman. I, I, I don't know how much he plays in the slot, white that is. Um, so that could potentially be a factor. But I, I don't want to play any of them if I have the option to. I'd rather play A.J. Brown over Julian Edelman at yeah. this point. No, I, I agree with you in that comparison for sure. If you have Edelman, it's definitely harder to bench him. Maybe becomes your flex type guy because he's like the only person there's not a lot exciting there for sure but i think that's the you know the majority of the takeaways we had you got any others so as we get into our positional preview for championship week i think as we talked about last week there were a lot of injuries there were a lot of big name injuries this week and this is where your depth just gets tested and this is why Every single year, fantasy analysts say build depth, build depth. You know, don't hold, you know, don't hold on to a second kicker or a, a second quarterback. I mean, now in the playoffs, it's a little bit more reasonable because you had like Jameis Winston potentially could have missed the game, but there are very few instances where I am trusting the replacement to the player that just went out as opposed to sort of the next best option on your bench. So. For example, with Chris Godwin going out, you know, obviously Brashad Perryman had a, a fantastic week this past week. He he might be the like lone exception for this upcoming week in which I trust him over like a Robert Woods or an AJ Brown potentially. But I I would rather play some of these guys that you might have been holding on to that could potentially fill in for you for the last week of the season. But that said, why don't we get into the quarterback position? And if you are still streaming, you may have used Gardner Minshew, and the Minshew Mania is uh, back. He is the Raider killer. He is indeed. Uh, I figured of any team that's going to spoil Oakland and become a new villain in the NFL could be the Jaguars, potentially. The Jaguars. And and they did it. And Minshew uh, definitely had a fun time doing it. I am uh, so excited to be running him out in my 14-team league in the championship because I've been... I drafted Baker. I think that's the only QB I drafted. I've been streaming between... uh, Not even him, but Minshew... And Kyle Allen for most of the year. And Kyle Allen's getting benched. So it's like, I don't even have to make the choice. (laughs) Minshew got me the 20 plus points I was looking for in a six point per passing touchdown league. So it's been been consistent. I think that you got to keep rolling him out there if you've been leaning on him. Because if you're leaning on him, you probably have a lot more value in your skill positions. And that's what's going to help you win the day. Yeah, that's a good point. The the thing I will say before we get the rest of this discussion is for me and feel free to disagree there are four must-start quarterbacks right now it's Lamar Jackson it's Patrick Mahomes it's Jameis Winston and it's Ryan Tannathrill hmm Tannathrill I believe you forgot Deshaun Watson in this I think Deshaun Watson needs to be put out there every year, every week, and that, every year. Because he's that, amazing. <laughs> that's a good point. Like, and the Titans are arguably a good NFL defense, and he still put up numbers against them. Yeah, and You they, can't bench him because of his upside. Yeah, they also play the, the Buccaneers this yeah. week, which yes. is a <laughs> terrible pass defense. So, add Deshaun Watson to the fifth. But for the rest of the people, I mean, 
someone like Aaron Rodgers, even with a somewhat plus matchup against the Vikings, who haven't had a great secondary all year, I would potentially look for other streaming options if I did have Aaron Rodgers, because he didn't do anything against the Redskins or the Bears for that matter. So I want to throw something out there, and you might think I'm crazy. Like a quarterback. A quarterback to stream. Philip Rivers. No, thank you. Last week, okay, hear me out. Like, hear me out. Last week was you're throwing a Philip Rivers like Chuck into the air when you're saying this. Only it was only his. So Rivers has been one of the mo- most consistent guy. He he's the cheaper Todd Gurley of quarterbacks. This was only his second game under ten points all season. He plays Oakland. Seven turnovers in one game doesn't happen that often. That is not going to happen again against the Raiders. It's at home for the Chargers. Like, this could very well be uh, one of Phillip Rivers' last games for Los Angeles. And it's interesting because, again, we've got those three games on Saturday. And maybe you have enough going on during your matchup. Maybe you have a couple guys on Saturday and you realize... Oh well, I'm I'm ahead by a ton. Like I've got uh, DeAndre Hopkins went off, Devin Singletary went off, and all that happens on Saturday. And you just need like a solid 15 points from your quarterback not to screw the pooch. I think Philip Rivers is that guy, and I think he can give you 15 points this week. I I hear out your logic, but but I don't buy it completely because Rodgers has given those similar level of points the last couple of weeks anyway. So why wouldn't you just play Rodgers against like a divisional matchup where they have to win and where Xavier Rhodes has been trash all year? I would definitely play Rodgers over Rivers if I'm already in the championship and have him. Plus... Oh, you do have Mahomes in this list. Sorry. So let me see if I can win back uh, a beer here. I'll bet you that no. Aaron Rodgers has more fantasy no. points this week than Philip Rivers. I'm not because you said two weeks ago you play the guy who you think's going to get more fantasy points, right? It's a good point. So if you're worried about like a range of outcomes, like oh, you don't want someone to kill you, like I'll just go with the safe option. But you're in the championship. You're playing to win. You're playing to win the game. So you would play the quarterback that you think can get more points. And I think that, you know, Rodgers can do that. And his and his floor, it can't be lower than what Phillip Rivers' floor is. But but that that's that's the point though. I mean, Rodgers has put up several games in which he scored single digit fantasy points this season and the ground game has just absolutely taken over everything. This offense has been out of sync. The Packers, that is. They They've they only have Devontae Adams to throw the ball to. They've got a 68-year-old Jimmy Graham uh, and a bunch of two-year-old wide receivers that he's, <laughs> that he's throwing Baby the ball to. wide receivers. That he's throwing the ball to. So I, I'm not going to make that... I, that's the bet I, can, if, I cannot Just make, make the because, bet. If you no, think it's true, then make the bet. I don't really buy no, your because, argument, but... Okay, let's move on because we're getting... How many... Okay, like, Philip Rivers hasn't had single-digit points this year. We know that, like, from anyone else that listens to fantasy footballers knows that Philip Rivers fucked Jason with his 
what had to have been a single-digit performance for how many interceptions that he threw in that game. Of course, I don't have the numbers up in front of us, but... So, they both have the same number of single-digit fantasy points. So, which is why I'm not Sounds it. like it's right. even enough to make the bet. All right. Let's... We're moving on. Um, let's shame. go into... Let's, let's, let's move into the tight end position. You think Evan Ingram is a no-go, even if he is healthy. Yeah, I have to fall back on this. I feel like... I don't know what's going on at quarterback right now, whether it's Daniel Jones or Eli Manning. Uh, Daniel Jones not being on the field these last couple weeks would make me not want to play him either because he could be rusty uh, if you were thinking about streaming him, which I was when I didn't have Minshew. Anyway, there's also Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton. All these guys are making plays in different ways, and that kind of spreads the ball around. So I don't like that. I would rather try to find Tyler Higby right now uh, he could be out there still because he's only owning 39% of ESPN leagues. And his la- over his last three games, he's had 33 targets, so 11 targets a game, 26 receptions, and 334 yards. Sounds pretty good, especially when at the tight end position, you would normally think they're all touchdown dependent. Higby is getting what you would want from a tight end week to week without even scoring. So he did have one touchdown in that span, but he he's showing that he can get you fantasy points even without getting into the end zone. I think all of this is contingent on Gerald Everett continuing to miss time. Obviously, we mm-hmm. don't know this early in the week what his status for Sunday is. But I do think he is a great option. It's, it's funny because, again, looking back to the offseason, I was not a fan whatsoever of the elite tight end strategy. And for the first several weeks, uh, weeks one through five, that was looking great because Travis Kelsey was was third, Zach Ertz was seventh, George Kittle was ninth, and, and that was all looking peachy keen. Uh, since week nine, the number one, two, and three tight ends are Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. So they are coming out <laughs> for you big when you need it. Now, Sixth on that list is Tyler Higby at 10.9 points per game. So he certainly is a great streaming option that you can continue to roll with in your championship game. All right. One last tight end note. If Higby is already owned in your league and you've been struggling to find someone, would you consider Mike Gesicki or Jake Hollister? Tell me now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going with Jacob Hollister. He has been involved enough in the Seahawks offense that I would trust him. I mean, the Seahawks all year have been pretty good with utilizing their tight ends. They're also playing the Arizona Cardinals, who are straight trash true, true. against the tight end. When the Seahawks played the Cardinals earlier in the year, uh, Will Disley went uh, seven for 57 and a score, which is 15.2 fantasy points. Rest so, in peace, Will Disley. Uh, that's a tough thing to miss. But um, I I think that Hollister is a great spot start for championship week at the tight end position. Just got a ping. Will Disley is still alive, just injured. Um, uh, great to but, know. Great yeah. to know. Let's move on to defenses. Uh, you put the Colts defense in here, which I first thought gross, LOL. But I think you do bring up a good point here. 
only because I remember seeing a notification today that Will Greer is going to be starting for the Panthers. Yeah. And you would then think Darius Leonard and the crew for Indianapolis is going to just contain Christian McCaffrey. So prior to week 15, the Indianapolis Colts DST is ranked ninth in fantasy points per game among defense, which which is actually pretty good for it. I mean, again, they haven't had those boom games. They've just been consistently pretty good over that stretch. But in Carolina's last three contests, again, before week 15, they were allowing 5.3 sacks per game and 2.3 giveaways per game. So that's a total of nine points to an opposing defense just on those alone. So I, I think... I think the Colts are a really good, potentially the best streaming option because a lot of the top tier defenses have the great matchups already, and yeah. and the teams that have that are playing the shitty teams are terrible defenses. Like you right. have the Bengals playing the Dolphins. I, I don't want to start oh, yeah. either of those. Oh yeah, uh, the Giants are playing the Redskins. I don't want to start either of those against each other. But- so. Hasn't Brian Flores' defense actually been playing a little bit better? I think I mentioned that last week. Is like but it's the Red Rifle's top five. Yeah, the Red Rifle threw four picks last week, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, against the Patriots. The Patriots are really. You mean good. the the Red Rider BB gun? <laughs> the JJ Watt joke. Um, I, I know you have a note in here. Should you speaking of Patriots, should you start the Bills defense? I probably would because you said you wouldn't start anyone from the Patriots offense. Uh, yes. Uh, a quick note. Yes, I'm starting the Bills defense. Patriots are allowing eight fantasy points per game to opposing defenses over the last six weeks. So I think the Bills, again, especially what they showed with uh, against the Steelers offense, who is just as anemic as the Patriots, are a good matchup this week. Yeah, and outside of that, I mean, if you if you want to take a shot on Texans defense, I guess you can. But uh, I would steer away from Jameis, and I think that's going to be a high-scoring game as well. So uh, I'm Colts... Believe it or not, <laughs> probably the best available defense at this point for to plug into your lineup. All right, moving on to the next position. It's the running back. The running back that carried you to the championship game. And this week, it's, it's a matter of talent and opportunity and continuing to roll with it. Who are a couple of guys that stand out to you from this perspective? Well, of, of course, I'm going to talk about guys who are on my uh, team where I'm in the championship, and those guys that helped me this week, last week were Miles Sanders, who went off again with Jordan Howard being hurt. So it was one kind of one of those situations where, uh, I mean, at this point, with his involvement in the passing game and running, even if Jordan Howard's out there, I think you can still keep putting Miles Sanders in the lineup and Devin, Devin Singletary, despite having a rough outing against the stout Steelers defense, still had a ton of work. Um, And after fumbling twice, which I think, you know, that happens, but coaches tend to, the good coaches, I think, tend to continue to trust in their running backs. And I think you should too. It was certainly encouraging to see Singletary continue to get carries after fumbling the ball a couple of times. Frank Gore did get... Worked in a little bit, which was surprising to me because he's done absolutely nothing. Well, yeah, he nothing, didn't do anything. So. Singletary still had 21 carries on the day. Got a couple targets in the passing game as well, which 
is huge. So I I totally agree with you on those couple of players. Obviously, Joe Mixon just tore apart the New England defense, so I wouldn't be scared off from Singletary whatsoever. Now, there is one situation where there's a guy who brought you to the championship, hopefully, and he might not even be playing this weekend. That's Dalvin Cook. And for all the Dalvin Cook owners out there, I feel you. I feel you. It sucks. The worst part was they had a first and goal early in the game, and they did some stupid-ass play action to Irv Smith <laughs> Jr. on the one-yard line. Like, just give it to Dalvin Cook and let him have a day already. <laughs> I Here's what I'll say before we get into potential replacements for Cook. I know I said earlier this year that if a guy is healthy enough to play, then he's healthy enough to go off. I don't want to start Dalvin Cook, even if he is health, healthy enough to play, because he has been the last two games, and he's left both of those games early and left you in a terrible position. It's the same shoulder that he's re-aggravating week after week. It, he could take one shot to the shoulder and be totally done. It, 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 I think it's a completely different situation than you know some hip bruiser or... you know. A, a, ankle sprain or something like that where it just like sort of happens it's a freak thing this is something he's now been dealing with for a couple of weeks the Packers I guarantee you will know that he has a lump a limp shoulder so they very well could be targeting that side of him when they're tackling him so as good as he's been all year as bad of a run defense as the Packers are I I don't want to trust Dalvin Cook and if he goes off feel free to give me all the shit in the world. But I, in championship week, I, I don't want to risk putting some guy out there who has shown over the past several weeks that he cannot stay in for the entirety of the game. But let's assume Dalvin Cook does not play because... They need to that, rest him for the playoffs. That is a very real possibility. Alexander Madison, who has been the backup for Dalvin Cook all year, has shown tremendous ability hurt his ankle, and I don't think is expected to play this week. So they're basically left with Amir Abdullah. And what about Mike Boone? Mike Boone had two <laughs> touchdowns this last week. I, again, I don't, I don't think I can trust either of them. I think they'll put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands against better judgment because it is in prime time. Well, they put the ball in his hands every plays on offense. So You know what I mean. If Madison's healthy, like if he starts, If Madison's healthy, Cook is not playing, I would play Alexander Madison because, again, that's one of those freak things. Like the the ankle injury just came up this week. It's not like he had been dealing with it in the past. So, yes, I'm confident with Alexander Madison. If he doesn't play, I don't want to trust Abdullah or Mike Boone because those guys are just – Meh. And they could split carries just as easily. Okay. We know, Sam, we've mentioned it a couple times. You do a running back by committee report uh, for number fire. And I just wanted to ask you about a couple guys quickly based on their number of touches and how they've been performing. Um, Is it worth starting Raheem Mostert and or Philip Lindsay in the flex? So Raheem Mostert, I'm most certainly trusting. He only had 54 yards rushing, but 
This was the third week in a row where he had double-digit carries, the fourth week in a row that he scored a touchdown. So he certainly is is not going to kill you from that perspective. The They play the Rams this upcoming week who just let Zeke run all over them. But Philip Lindsay, as much as I hate to admit, I if I can get away with not starting him, I'd rather not because even though they play Detroit, I think they the Broncos might try and pass the ball a little bit more. Royce Freeman is still there. Devontae Booker is somehow getting a little bit more oh involved with the offense. So this was this past week was only the third game in which Philip Lindsay didn't have double digit carries. So it, it certainly doesn't help and he, he just hasn't been able to find the end zone purely because the Broncos offense hasn't been as self-sustaining as we once thought. I think that Texans uh, matchup a couple weeks ago was a bit of the anomaly and not the norm. All right, so most certainly go with Raheem Mostert. What about... Okay, yeah, we're done with the podcast. (laughs) All right, what about uh, Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon? It's annoying that we even have to talk about this because I said just a week ago, like, play Austin Eckler, and then they don't even give him the fucking ball enough even after Melvin Gordon is just like running into the line fumbling twice not getting anything done on the ground do we, am I right on this do we like, even need to talk about this though I, I I still think that this whole game against the Vikings can just be thrown away they had seven turnovers and you looked at like the last nine possessions of the game it was like interception punt end of half interception fumble fumble intercept like it was unbelievable the offense just did not work. Like, it was away from keyboard. Offense just did not work whatsoever. And as much as we were trusting Eckler, you know, Gordon put the ball on the ground a couple times, didn't have nearly as good a game as we thought. I mean, we we knew that the Minnesota run defense was really good, so that's a part of it too. We thought that Eckler, with his past usage in the passing game, could get worked in enough to provide you with a serviceable day. And again, he, he did that because he caught five balls for 62 yards. So I, I'm i just throwing this game away again. They play Oakland next week. I think that's a defense that... Rivers can, is going to get you 15 points. Yes, Rivers <laughs> is going to get you 15 points. He's going to throw it to Eckler and Gordon maybe. Uh, but I, I'm still I'm still willing to roll them out next week. Perfect. Good to know. And for anyone desperate out there for a running back after this last week, you have one last uh, option for people. Yeah, that's going to be old man Adrian Peterson. All day! All day, (laughs) AP! Um, He's currently less than 60% owned. It's not a pretty option, but he plays the Giants this week, and... You never know what can, like they're gonna give him the ball twenty times. Probably he's gonna probably average three point three yards per carry, but he's got a decent shot to fall into the end zone with his crutches. And <laughs> well, his and he did he did pretty chair. well last week when Geis was out again, right? So that that's the appeal there is the just the amount of work. So all right, let's move on to wide receivers. We only have a few guys here because I think we, we've talked about a couple of those guys. Hopefully you can grab if you if you need someone earlier, uh, like Anthony Miller. But uh, obviously the Bucks wide receiver situation is really dicey. 
Uh, Brashad Perriman is a guy that you have to take a look at after getting three touchdowns. For sure. I had Scotty Miller listed here because I've heard his name all season from Jameis Winston connecting with him, but apparently he also had a hamstring injury this week, so yeah, something's going on with the with the hammies in Tampa. But. That's, that's a hamstring injury that he had been dealing with previously as well, so I'd be surprised if he even played. I know we're talking about wide receiver now, but... Maybe OJ Howard, because Ooh. like who else is Jameis Winston gonna throw the ball to at this point? But Brashad Perriman, wide receiver two, they're gonna throw the ball eight hundred times against the Texans. I like it it's crazy. It's not gonna be a Godwin <laughs> or an Evans week, it's gonna be a Perriman week. Another guy, which I just thought of this, probably doesn't get enough coverage when it comes to Tampa. Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait gets that's these weird ass, like really good games from Jameis all the time. I, I think that's more of a daily play at this point. I I don't want to trust that whatsoever. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> all right. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the Giants. I mentioned they've got a lot of wide receivers uh, making plays right now. Darius Slayton or Sterling Shepard? Golden Tate. Okay, what if Golden <laughs> Tate is taken? Because both of these other guys I feel like are are less owned. I'm going to roll with Darius Slayton. Obviously didn't have a huge game from a target's perspective, but still scored this past week. He's shown that he can have the huge boom games. Sterling Shepard hasn't really done that at all this entire season, and the Redskins aren't a great defense whatsoever. I mean, obviously they're both going to be playing the Redskins, but I, I play big play Darius Slayton this week over Sterling Shepard, and to close things out, I've got another question for you. Kenny Stills or Will Fuller? Because Kenny Stills found his way back into the lineup this week and scored two touchdowns against the Titans. They play the aforementioned Bucks, who have a very porous pass defense, so I would expect the Texans to be passing the ball a lot. Are, are you taking a stab at either of these guys? And if so, which one would you prefer? I, th- I would go with Will Fuller. I'd rather live and die with him in my championship lineup than take a risk on Kenny Stills. Uh, he feels like the Cameron Brait of the question we just <laughs> I just asked you before. So uh, there are obviously some plays out there that uh, are a little cheeky and, and a little risky, but some feel just feel better than others. I do agree with you. Kenny Stills only had three targets and three receptions and two of those were touchdowns so a bit more flukish he's averaged right around three targets per game over the last several games that he's played whereas Will Fuller has averaged nearly seven targets per game since returning from injury perfect uh I hope that you know, in the grand scheme of things, maybe you guys all have perfect lineups that don't need any of these people to fill in. But if you're looking for something, maybe these guys can get you over the finish line, help you win some money, help you get out of the sacko. And just all you have to do in week 16 is win. Win one week. And that's what you need to do now. A quick scheduling note for all our loyal listeners. We will be taking next week and the week after off to celebrate the holidays and be with family and friends. So when we return in the new year, we will recap what happened in championship week, talk a little bit about the season as a whole and what we learned. 
think about maybe doing a, a brief 2020 preview and get back to you with uh, all the fantasy goodness that you've been hanging on to listening with us for the entire season. But for that, I am Sam Hoppin. You can follow me at Sam Hoppin. You can follow Andrew at Andrew Mackins. You can follow Garner at Garnther. You can follow the pod account at Pod After TD. And with that, the championship kick is good. Here's Breeze, third and five. Pressure goes underneath on the shallow Taysom Hill. And it's going to be first and goal. Rear high in a game. But I think he's searching for another mighty mark. Will he get it here? Yes! Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4.